0: Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. We appreciate you. If you take, yeah, we'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me. We're uh, looking at two passages of scripture this this evening: Hebrews chapter three and uh, verse twelve, and we're also looking at Matthew six verses twenty-five through thirty-four. We're continuing our series on Wednesday evenings: fight the good fight of faith. And tonight we're talking about the battle against anxiety, the battle against anxiety. A pastor shared an experience about how he once lost his wallet, and though he had lost his wallet many times before. The wonderful thing that happened this time was that he felt absolutely no worry whatsoever. Now you have to understand that he wasn't some super spiritual saint. It was not natural for him to respond with such peace and calm. Normally, he would have been tearing apart his car, retracing his steps, panicking, getting angry at his family or himself, and taking out his frustrations on everybody, like many people do. But this time was different. He didn't get angry. He wasn't anxious. He felt no frustration. He was happy and at peace the entire day. What a great victory, amen? Later that day, his wife walked in and asked, Bill, did you lose something? He said, no, I didn't. Then she pulled out his wallet and said, oh, yes, you did. He had dropped his wallet in the driveway that morning, completely unaware, and fortunately, his wife found it. Do you know what his secret of peace and happiness was that day? Despite the fact that his wallet was lost, it's that he never knew that he had lost it until his wife showed it to him. And he just stood there holding the wallet in his hand and smiling, and he thought of how different his day might have been had he known that his wallet was missing. Think of how needlessly upset, worried, angry, irritable, and frustrated he might have been. And the whole time, the wallet was safely in his wife's possession now the lesson for us is that in all the things that we are so prone to worry about god's already got the answer a major part of the good fight of faith is that daily fight to trust god This is why Paul encourages us to fight the good fight of faith and hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called us. The focus of this fight is fighting for our faith as we fight against doubt and unbelief. Hebrews 3.12 says this, be careful then. Now that's the vigilance of battle. Because when you're in battle, you have to be on guard all the time. You have to be careful. You have to be alert, right? So he says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Now that's the enemy's warfare, amen? To turn our heart away from God, to do evil, and to disbelieve. Turning you away from the living God, there's the real danger. A warning against not taking this warfare seriously is that it can turn us away from the living God. In other words, the most basic battle of our life is the battle to believe, the battle to hold unwaveringly to our faith in the living God and to not allow our heart to become an evil heart of unbelief. Now, unbelief is the root of all evil. It underlies all sin and disobedience in our lives. All of our sin and disobedience grows out of unbelief in the living God and what he has said and what he has promised in his word. Now, tonight's message addresses this with a specific evil condition of the heart named worry or anxiety. Read with me, if you will, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 25 uh, through 34. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? today's trouble is enough for today and how many of you can say amen to that today's trouble is enough for today we don't have to be manufacturing uh what we think might happen tomorrow but one of the greatest battles in this good fight of faith is the battle against anxiety a battle to trust god rather than to worry and this passage here in Matthew 6 provides the answer for how we can do this. Three times, Jesus says we should not be anxious or we should not worry. In verse 25, he says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Verse 31, so don't worry about these things, about the daily needs that we, we often uh, become so anxious about. Uh, uh, verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow. Three times. Now, if Jesus says something one time, it's important. We need to listen to it. When he says it three times, we really need to pay attention. Amen? And Jesus's question in verse 30 identifies the real root of worry or the real root of anxiety. He asks, why do you have so little faith? So what is the root of worry? Little faith little faith jesus is telling us that the root of worry is a lack of faith in our heavenly father in his love for us and in his promises to take care of us and jesus doesn't assume that true believers will never worry or will never struggle with anxiety instead the bible tells us how to fight when anxiety strikes because i don't care how many years you've been serving the lord we, we we struggle with anxiety, amen? I know I do. I'll put up both hands, amen? There's times you're thinking, you know, this is gonna happen, that's gonna happen. What if that happens, you know? And we can all get there, amen? But but God tells us in his word how we can fight anxiety. And, and, and he does this in various scriptures, like 1 Peter 5, 7, when he says, cast all your cares or all your worries or all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So it says, when you have worries, Worries or concerns, cast them on God in prayer and trust that He cares about you, that He loves you. And this is an essential part of the good fight of faith. We must battle worry by turning to God, by standing on His promises, and by praying about everything that concerns us. Now, in Matthew 6, we have common anxieties that. Everybody experiences, amen? The worry of having our basic needs met food, clothing, shelter. Those are the kind of worries that everybody deals with. Practical issues that we face every day that can bring great stress into our lives. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to put food on the table? What if I get sick? Who's going to take care of the kids? Who's going to provide? How am I going to provide a future uh, for my family? And all of these questions, they can cause great stress, great worry in our lives. But Jesus says the real root of worry is not trusting our loving Heavenly Father to take care of us. So the cure for worry is faith in God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you want to strengthen your faith, what do you got to do? You got to dig into God's Word. You got to read it daily. You got to study it daily. You got to sit under the preaching and teaching of God's Word as regularly as you can so that your faith will be strengthened because that is where worry is conquered. And in this passage, Jesus gives us several promises from God's Word, several in the form of questions to build our faith and to equip us to battle against unbelief. Now, he uses questions— very effectively in this passage to provoke us to think and discover the answers for ourselves because psychologists tell us that we are more convinced about something if we come to the conclusion ourselves. you know so even when you're counseling they say you know ask the person question what is something that you can do today now as a counselor as a pastor as a counselor you can tell somebody you need to do x y and z but most likely they're not going to do it. But if you say, What can you do today? What one thing that you can start doing today that can begin to change your situation? And they think for a little while and that, well, maybe I can do X, Y, and Z. Great. Now start doing that. And they're more likely to do it because they discovered the answer themselves. You following me? So this is why Jesus uses questions so often in his teaching and particularly in this passage. So let's listen to Jesus's questions and allow him to provoke us to discover the answer to worry for ourselves. Promise number one, there's more to life than what worries you. So he gives us a promise, but he often phrases it in the form of a question. Promise number one, there's more to life than what worries you. Look at verse 25. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink and enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Clothing. There's the question, right? Isn't life more than these things? Isn't life more than food and clothing? And of course, we, we hear that question and we say, of, of course it is. Of course it is. Many of you answered out that it is. So, what is he telling us? He's telling us, Don't let worry rob you of the life that God has given you. Do you know that the rich and the poor, they worry equally or sometimes even more if they're wealthy about their finances? In verse 19, Jesus spoke to those who stockpile wealth on earth, the wealthy. And he says, you know, they build up treasure here on earth where moth eats it and uh, uh, rust destroys it and the thief can break in and steal it. So rich people worry about money too. I had an uncle that was just, I think he was about four years older than my father, Um, but he was extremely wealthy. And he looked like he was, probably 20 years older than my dad, and from the time that he was like in his 50s, he was gray-headed and he was trembling like this, and it was all the worry. He was constantly worried about when the stock market dipped or when the interest rate went down or somebody taking advantage of him or somebody dating one of his kids just because they have money and then they want it. you know, he was worried about all of these things all the time, and it took a toll on his health and so rich people worry about money too ecclesiastes 5:12 says the rich must worry and suffer insomnia You know, the rich worry about necessities just like the poor. That's why they stockpile wealth so that they have a safeguard to ensure that they're always going to have enough money. Right now, some people that have money, they're stockpiling gold because they're afraid that there's going to be a crash in our economy. So they want to make sure that they have their stockpile, you know, of gold. So the rich, they worry. They worry about every dip in the stock market. They worry about uh, uh, people taking advantage of them. They hire lawyers to protect their money. you know? John D. Rockefeller was one of the wealthiest men in the world. but his life was almost ruined by wealth. At 53, he was the world's only billionaire at that time. and he was earning about a million dollars a week. You'd have thought, man, he's got it mate. He'd got nothing to worry about, right? But he was a sick man. He had so many ulcers, he was living on crackers and milk, and he couldn't sleep because of worry. And when he started giving his money away, his health radically changed, and he ended up living to celebrate his 98th birthday. But worry over stockpiling wealth almost took his life. There are many things that are more important than money. Your health is more important than money. Your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, more important than money. Your relationship with God, more important than money. Your peace of mind, more important than money. Your joy, more important than money. These are things that money cannot buy. Amen. So isn't life more than these things? So the rich worry... But you know what? The poor also worry. Why? Because the poor live paycheck to paycheck. Amen? Some of us can say, I can relate with that. And and, and so those that live paycheck by by paycheck, they worry about how they're going to buy food and clothing, how they're going to pay the mortgage, what if they lose their job, what if they get sick, what if an unexpected expense comes up, what if one of the kids gets sick. Worry, all these types of worries. In verse 32, Jesus says, these things... Dominate the thoughts of who? These things dominate the thoughts of Christians. No, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. See, that's, that's where the answer comes from, why we don't have to worry. If we trust that he knows our needs, that he's our heavenly father who loves us, That's why these things don't have to dominate our thoughts. The King James Version says, All these things the Gentiles seek after. And the word seek means to crave, to pursue, to demand, to clamor after. Earning money, working hard, advancing their career. That becomes the focus of the unbeliever's life. It dominates their thinking. Worries uh, uh, about meeting their need dominates their thinking. And they miss out on the more important things of life. Sometimes they put their career ahead of their family. Oftentimes, if God is even on their radar, they put their career ahead of God and ahead of his purpose for their life. You don't know how many people I've talked to, and you probably have too. I said, oh, I just don't have time to go to church. Ever met somebody that said that? You might have been somebody that said that at one time, amen? I just don't have time, you know, because we are so busy running after the things of this world. But God gave us life, and we need to trust that he can take care of us. If God gave us life, he's also able to sustain our life. If he created the world and everything that exists out of nothing, how much easier is it for him to provide something that already exists? Amen? Because when he began, there was nothing, right? In the beginning was God. That was all there was. And then he spoke the world's into existence. He created everything out of nothing. And if he's able to do that, then something is already here for him to provide to us. How much easier is that? Amen? And since God created us and gave us the gift of life, then our thoughts, goals, and ambitions need to be fixed on more than just our daily needs. Everything in this life is empty and meaningless if we make life only about it. If we make life only about waking up, working, making money and repeating that cycle endlessly. We find ourselves like a hamster running on a hamster wheel and it's just going but you're not going anywhere. Amen. It's empty, it's meaningless. Take it from one of the wealthiest men in his day who said in Ecclesiastes 2:11, as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, It was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. So here is King Solomon. He's working hard to get wealthy, and he says, I've come to the realization it's meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. No matter how hard you run, if you try to catch the wind, you're going to end up with a big armful of nothing. And so no matter how hard you run after the things of this world, in the end, you're gonna realize it doesn't fulfill, it doesn't satisfy. So Solomon, at the end of Ecclesiastes concludes that the most important thing in life is to fear God, to worship him, and to keep his commandments. After everything, he said, after being so wealthy, after holding back no pleasure from my life, everything else was meaningless, And I've realized the whole purpose of life is to worship God and live according to his word. Jesus said it in a different way. He said, what does it profit a man though he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Life is so much more than material things. Whether it's great wealth or just seeking to make a daily living, we have a higher purpose, we have a higher calling, We were created to love and to worship God. We were created to know him. We were created to live in relationship with him. We were created to fulfill his will and purpose for our life. Only then will our life have eternal significance and we will find meaning and fulfillment in this life. Everything else is temporary and leads to emptiness, like chasing the wind. We need to be living For that which is eternal rather than that which is earthly. There is so much more to life than that which worries you. There is so much more to life than that which worries you. Then Jesus gives us a second promise. God cares about you. In verses 26 through 27, he says, If God feeds the birds and clothes the lilies of the field so beautifully, though the sun will soon cause them to wither, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? There's the question again, right? He's saying, you come to the conclusion for yourself. If God takes care of the birds, if God takes care of these wildflowers, aren't you more valuable? Aren't you more important to him? You are are more valuable to God than all of creation. You see, he created human beings in his image as the crown of his creation. That alone gives us a higher value than all of creation. But then beyond that, He gave his only son to die on the cross for us, placing the highest value on us. Because what you're willing to pay for something determines the value of that item. Amen? And so he was willing to pay the highest price attaching to us the greatest value. Now, if he feeds the birds of the air so that they don't have to plant, they don't have to harvest, they don't have to store up food, how much more will he take care of you? In verse 30, he says, If God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. The wildflowers are temporary. They last only a few days, yet God clothes them with beauty. He clothes them with splendor. And we are of much higher priority to God because those wildflowers, they're temporary. They last a few days, but we were created to live eternally and we were saved to spend eternity with him. So if God takes care of those insignificant flowers and insignificant creatures that most people overlook, how much more will he take care of you and god is able to take care of you if he's able to take care of every bird of the air and clothe every wild flower with beauty is he not able to take care of you if he has to send manna from heaven like he did in the wilderness if he has to cause water to flow from the rock or send a raven with food as he did for elijah Or cause coins to appear in a fish's mouth miraculously, or multiply loaves and fishes to feed a multitude, or if he has to keep you from sickness and preserve your clothes and shoes from wearing out, as he did for Israel for 40 years in the wilderness. Can you imagine your clothes not wearing out, your shoes not wearing out for 40 years, never getting sick for 40 years? That's what he did for his people in the wilderness and if god is able to do that god is able to take care of you could you imagine there were over two million israelites in the wilderness and god fed them every day with manna can you imagine the grocery bill to face to pay for two million people to eat if he could take care of them he can take care of your groceries amen he can provide for you he is able there is no need that you have That God cannot meet. Amen. Promise number three. Worry won't change the outcome of your circumstance. But prayer can. Verse 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? There's the third question. Right? The third question. And the obvious answer is. Worry can't change a thing. Anxiety accomplishes nothing. It's a plain and simple reality. An exasperated husband asked his wife, Why are you always worrying when it doesn't do any good? And she quickly piped back, Oh, yes, it does. 90% of the things that I worry about never happen. 500 years ago, Michael de Montaigne said, My life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. Because it was all up here, all up here. Researchers at Penn State University did a study on worry that found that many of our worries never come to fruition. They took a group of people with generalized anxiety disorder and they told them to write down everything they worried about for one month. And at the end of that month the study found that 91 percent of people's worries did not come true for several of the people in the study exactly none of the things they worried about ever happened and in some of the rare occasions when a person's worry was realized the outcome was better than they had feared what does that tell us we are wasting so much of our time We're wasting our joy, we're wasting our peace by worrying about stuff that's never going to happen rather than trusting God, rather than trusting God. Worry doesn't work, but prayer does. That's why Paul tells us in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, he says, don't worry about anything. What are we supposed to worry about? Nothing. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. everything. What are we supposed to pray about? Everything. Everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience worry. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So what Paul is telling us is turn every worry into a prayer. And through thanksgiving, remind yourself of the faithfulness of God to you up to this point. Thank him for all he's done for you in the past, because God's past performance is the best indicator of his future performance. Amen? He's been faithful. He's brought you through in the past, and he will do it again. And remembering that through thanksgiving will build your faith. Promise number four, your heavenly Father knows what you need. Look at verses 32 and 33, the second part of verse 32. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. He already knows. Our heavenly father already knows what we have need of. But notice, it is our heavenly father. That's personal, right? And it makes all the difference when you have a close personal relationship with him. As a child, I always knew that I could come home and pull up a chair to our table and there would be a meal there for me on the table. I couldn't do that at a stranger's house So I didn't have that relationship with them. But I could do it at my house because I had a relationship with my parents and I knew that they would always meet my need. It makes all the difference when we know that we are a child of God. It makes all the difference when we have a close relationship with our Heavenly Father. Then we can be confident that he knows our needs and he will give us everything that we need. See, our Heavenly Father is not indifferent. He cares, he sees, he knows what we have need of, and he will act to supply All of our needs, he promises us so. If we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will meet our needs. Notice there's a condition to the promise, right? If we seek his kingdom above all else and we live according to his will. We can be confident that He will meet our needs. So, not anybody can claim that promise, right? Only those that are putting God first and are living His way can claim that promise. So, in everything you do, at work and at home, put God first. Seek to live rightly. Seek to do His will. And if He will make if we will make him the priority of our life, he will meet our needs. When we live this way, we won't have to worry about anything. Amen. We take care of God's business. he take care of our business. Amen. We put him first and he will meet our needs. We won't have to worry. We won't have to worry about today's problems. We won't have to worry about tomorrow. We can trust that God, who is with us, helping us in today's trouble, will be with us to enable us to face whatever tomorrow may bring. Amen? If he's able to help us today and he's with us today, he'll be with us tomorrow. He will never leave us nor forsake us. I've shared this before, but last year, as some of you know, some of you may be new, um but my uh, mother who at that time was 92 years old uh, last April um, I had to enroll her in hospice in my home and I very quickly became um, the primary caretaker of someone who was paralyzed from her neck down because the paralysis came on very speedily and um, it was overwhelming because initially I had no help no nursing care nothing later on uh, like three months in, we were able to get her approved for um, from for some in-home nursing care, but it was just overwhelming because I was working full time here at the church and trying to do the that and trying to take care of her, and it was just overwhelming because she needed everything done for her. And there were times that, you know, I would have a restless night's sleep. I would wake up in the morning and I'd be like, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And and I would just begin to pray in the spirit. And um, one morning I woke up and there was a song in my heart. And the song was one that I had heard many years ago, but hadn't heard it or sung it in years. And the song was, One Day at a Time, Sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking for you. Just give me the strength to do every day what I have to do, and God just spoke to my heart through that song that all I needed to do was trust Him today. Because I was, you know, already picturing out in my mind, you know, months of this going on, and how am I going to endure this? And you know how we do, and 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 uh, He was just saying, you know, just trust me today. I'll give you what you need today, and all I needed to do, He was telling me, just put one foot in front of the other each day do what i needed to do and he would be sufficient for me and that became my daily declaration of faith jesus just give me the strength to do what i need to do today one day at a time and during that time many of you know that if you asked me how i was doing or how my mom was doing i likely responded to you saying i'm just trusting god one day at a time that was my answer Uh, Because there was nothing else I could do. There was nothing else I could say. All I could do was trust God one day at a time. And that's what Jesus is telling us to do too. Just trust him one day at a time that he is sufficient for us for all of today's troubles. Amen? And when today is over with, he'll meet us tomorrow morning with new mercies and with his faithfulness. The good fight of faith is a battle against worry. It is a battle to hold fast to our faith and to trust God that he will take care of us, that he will take care of all of our needs. So tonight, I just want to invite you, like he says in his word, cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. So I just want to invite you tonight as we respond to the word to let's surrender every worry, every anxiety to God and say, Lord, just help me to trust you each day with the troubles of this day. If that's your heart's desire, would you just stand in response to God's word and let's just make that our prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, there is so much in this world to trouble us. In fact, you said in your word that in this world we will have tribulation. But you have overcome the world and that we could come to you, and we could find rest in you. So we come to you tonight, Lord God, and we surrender our worries to you. We place them in your hands, knowing that you are able, Lord God. And as we surrender the things that worry us to you, Lord God, we pray the help of your Holy Spirit to stand in faith upon your promises, Lord God, and to trust you each and every day that as our loving heavenly father you know everything we have need of and as we put you first and as we walk in your ways let us walk in the confidence of knowing that you will meet all of our needs and as we surrender every need to you let your peace which passes all understanding keep our heart and mind In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us online. Have a wonderful rest of your week. God bless. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.